Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very accomplished lawyer, entrepreneur, fellow member of the YPO from Ghana, Professor Elikem Nutifafa Kweneha. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank um, you. To talk to you. Because I've been to the other, I'm listening to some of the other podcasts, and I really think it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Elikem is the chairman of Keystone Solicitors, a new generation African law firm. He's an entrepreneur, lawyer, writer, art enthusiast, and business facilitator focused on foreign direct investments into Africa. He's the author of Kwe. Kwenyehya on entrepreneurship, recognized, felicitated, and awarded several times. He's been also recognized as a young global leader from the World Economic Forum. And as I mentioned, he's a member of the YPO. So Elikim, tell me about your own amazing journey. <laughs> so I was born, um, I grew up in Ghana, went to university in Oxford, then law school, worked in a city for a few years, then decided I wanted to learn more about business. So I went to get an MBA at Northwestern in the States. After that, I worked in consumer strategy briefly mm -hmm. and had an incredible opportunity to move back home in Ghana to um, help start a bank from scratch mm -hmm. and did that. But in doing that, I was wearing multiple hats. So I saw the opportunity to have a, a very Western-based um, law firm in Ghana, mm -hmm. um, did that for a while and merged my law firm with another firm to become a big regional firm to become Africa's largest law firm. Mm. Five years ago, I exited and it's a sabbatical. Now I'm trying to be almost like you, not quite there yet, but portfolio career with multiple interests to suit my mm. multiple life personality. Mm. That's, that's Very interesting. Very interesting. And how has your uh, passion for law and studying law shaped your approach to business? So I'll say, first of all, it's the analysis that um, the legal profession has given me. Um, you know, so I push everything from a very analytical standpoint. Mm. I'm also able to go to massive data. Everything of all the cases we have to read and all the documents we have to write, I'm able to go to a lot of data to distill the key insights. Uh, so that's been very helpful. And just be able to negotiate, because our job is always negotiating with the other side. Mm. And so that's also very helpful. In business. So just mm. a few things that have been very helpful. Okay. And... You know, you mentioned that you started your law firm and you merged with another one. How does Keystone Solicitors differ from traditional law firms? And what are your vision for the, visions for the future? So, so if I can just go back and just a little bit, you know, the history of Keystone, in the sense that uh, the partners working at Keystone, we all, we all, my previous law firm, Oxford and Beaumont, and we saw that firm start with me with a total investment of 5,000 US dollars and going to a multinational law firm in 10 years. Mm. Um, and so in doing that, we learned about the good, the bad, and ugly. So Keystone Solicitors, we are using those insights to build a, a truly unique boutique law firm. Mm. So the first one was all about scaling and in different multiple offices and so on. This is a really truly boutique law firm in two offices acquiring London. Mm -hmm. We focus on a small number of clients, largely high net, or ambitious entrepreneurs and give mm -hmm. them a truly bespoke service. So that's sort of one big difference. Mm -hmm. What are we trying to do ultimately? 
We're trying to make sure that we, uh, in becoming trusted advisors to our clients who are, you know, changing the landscape of business, mm -hmm. we contribute quite positively in that sense to the business community. Mm -hmm. in Fascinating. And since one of the services you give to a lot of in potential investors is an entry into Africa, what are some of the challenges foreign investors typically face in Africa and how do you facilitate their entry? So I think one of the main um, challenges is um, around the judicial system. Mm. So there's certain perception and I think there's some reality of um, you know, a judiciary that's not always, well, basically, I can't mean to word, effective corrupt. Mm -hmm. um, and um, coupled with that is the judicial system itself, which is very slow. So mm -hmm. cases can, lot, clever lawyers can play all kinds of tricks and the case can drag through somebody's lifetime effectively. And so that's obviously quite a sense of concern. Uh, what we do for our clients is to try and ensure that we have, um, you know, the, the jurisdictional clause mm. in the agreement to be like London or Paris or New York uh, using arbitration. That can even be a barrier on the other side, though, because the local lawyers and local clients are not comfortable with this vision negotiating um, game. Mm. And they say, who calls the piper, um, you know, determines the tune, right? Who pays the piper, determines the tune. So usually we're acting for the big um, investors mm. who are holding the money. So we have some bargaining power in that respect. The other mm. thing around tenure. Um, it's a nightmare to sometimes buy land in Africa, set mm. in Ghana, and be assured that the title you have is right. And so investors who are investing in, in, in Ghana and Africa, most parts of Africa, maybe except places like Rwanda, which is South Africa and so on, mm. um, but they, they, it's a real problem. And so, um, that's a, but what we do is that we have a very uh, specialized judicial team that do a lot of work to ensure that the right title, we trace the title, the, the land permission to ensure that, you know, our requests are dealt with quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, and just, yeah, basically that's what we obviously make sure we have quite watertight agreements. So if we need to uh, litigate, we're able to do mm -hmm. that. Fascinating. And uh, Elikim, you know, since the time you got into uh, the legal profession. I would love to get your perspective on how has the profession evolved in Africa and what trends do you see in the future? You know, the, the profession has really evolved I mean, since I started. Uh, one is the law, one is my law firm. First of all, there's a lot more um, competition um, among lawyers. Many, I mean, the law schools are churning out lawyers like no, nobody's business. So there's lots of, what's entrepreneurial culture? Everyone set up their own law firm. And so um, there's certainly been an increase in the number of lawyers. Mm -hmm. um, the one that happens is, is the flight to quality because clients have, have lots of choice mm -hmm. and they are, you know, so they tend to go to the most estate clients tend to obviously choose and go to the better lawyers. Those mm -hmm. uh, services are still quite highly priced, has been quite highly priced in Africa, but over mm -hmm. the years, because of competition, is coming down. The internationalization of law firms, a law firms are part of like a global, so we obviously have an example where we set up a law firm. Mm -hmm. Within the first year, I opened a London office, went on to merge with the firm on the footprints all across Africa. We're going to see more and more because clients will see in the service. They don't talk to a lawyer in Nigeria and a lawyer in South Africa, they don't call one lawyer, mm -hmm. he coordinates all of that. So that's also um, changing um, quite a bit. Um, I'll say those are sort of the key changes that I see. I mean, obviously, there's a technology and all that which applies to other industries uh, equally. Mm -hmm. And one more question relating to law, and then I'll move to entrepreneurship. There will be a lot of young people who will listen to our conversation. 
what advice would you give to young lawyers who want to make a name for themselves in the legal field in Africa? Well, first of all, you absolutely shouldn't need to do law. Mm. Law is, uh, what I say, is a jealous mistress. So if you're a young person in particular, you have, you have to literally live what my, my, Malcolm Gladwell talked about the 10,000 hours. Mm. You have to sort of live and breathe the law. Mm. Um, to ensure that you, have, you become a good lawyer, mm. you have to really dedicate. So you have to make sure it's something that you really are passionate about. Secondly, and this was important because of all the competition that's coming in, so you want to stand out. Mm. Secondly, I'll say that find an area of law that you like or, and then focus on it. So if it's IP that you want to do mm. or banking, just really focus on it and be the best possible lawyer you can be. Mm. It's amongst the generation. That's sort of what I, 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 I would Very say. Sorry? Very interesting. Very interesting thoughts. And I love your comment, be the best lawyer that you can be. I think, you know, for a lot of our viewers and listeners, this is very powerful advice from a man who's who's achieved so much already at such a young age. So, uh, Elikim, let's now move to your other uh, avatar as an entrepreneur and a business innovator. Yeah. What motivated you to transition? Or, well, not transition, but move between law and entrepreneurship and business? You know, honest, completely honest, I consider myself an accidental lawyer. Mm. I had no intention of doing law. Mm. Partly to rebel against my parents who were both lawyers. Uh, but then when I was applying to university, there was no course in business. Taking at Oxford, there was no undergraduate business course. Mm. So I thought I'd do law for three years and then move into business. And in fact, when I graduated, I was going to join Shell International. Mm. But then I um, had an opportunity with a law firm in the city. I thought I'll qualify as a lawyer, mm -hmm. and then go into the industry. The day I qualified as a lawyer, um, a much bigger law firm, Linklater's, calls me up and makes me an offer I can't resist. Mm -hmm. So a few years. I did that for a few years. They went to business school. So the plan was never to do law. I've always been passionate about business. I've been lucky to have mentors from about the age of 14 who mm -hmm. were in business. So I started my first business about that age. I thought I was testing really the motivation. So I, um, but I haven't gotten that those key um, skill sets as a lawyer. Mm. As I should, as I discussed earlier, I didn't apply them to business. And in fact, mm. my role at the bank was managing, I was general counsel, so like managing you know, strategy, brand management, and business services. So I've always liked that variety. I still have a short attention span, to be honest with you. Mm. So I get bored very quickly. So I get bored with illegal matters, and I'm going to look at a brand issue or you know, write a book or whatever it is, just because I'm still stimulating myself. Mm. Fascinating. Fascinating. And how did your experience with UBA Ghana influence your approach to entrepreneurship? In many, many ways. Firstly, it taught me that you can dream both brush dreams and make those dreams a reality. I was very, very fortunate to be hired by the Nigerian billionaire philanthropist, Tony Illumini. Mm -hmm. And when Tony hired me, he literally took out a blank piece of paper and said, what role do you want? Mm -hmm. so this was, I think I was about 31 or so. He goes on to offer me uh, a role as the senior executive and in a new bank. I was probably the most junior person in all the banks in Ghana to do that. Mm -hmm. And what he did was also support me to ensure that I could succeed. So I do the same thing with my guys. I encourage them to dream, to dream both brush dreams. And I provide them support to do whatever they want to do within mm -hmm. context, obviously. And also, um, Tony also taught me that it is possible in many instances for young and experienced people to be better than people with lots of experience. As mm -hmm. I said, I had no experience. I was supported to do well. 
So I work with very young people. I start with people straight out of university, and I found that some of them are so brilliant. Uh, most of them actually. And so, and you see, so you really, he's, he continues to do that in all the philanthropy, focusing on young people, because he really believes in young people. Mm. And he's taught me to believe in young people as well. Mm. So that's it. Lastly, I'll say that my leadership style was also influenced by that period. My leadership style is what I call um, leadership by listening, management by debate, which means that, you know what, as a leader, I listen to whatever you have to say, whether I like it or not. I literally bite my lower lip when somebody's talking, sometimes they talk a lot of English, mm, mm. whatever, but I, I listen to them. And then uh, managing by debate because there are no secret house. We can debate everything. Mm. Of course, I also have the decision-making uh, power, but mm. everything's up for grabs. And I do find that I get such rich insights from the young people I work with. Right, right. Very interesting. Elikim, you're also, uh, you know, a columnist and you're, column in graphic business is very widely read. Yes. What do you believe attracts readers to your insights on entrepreneurship? So there's an age of debate. Can you teach entrepreneurship? My answer is that you can't teach entrepreneurship. They can inspire people to come entrepreneur. So it's again, and how do you inspire people? It's through storytelling. Hmm. And writing profiles of people is part of storytelling. And seeing how diverse my range of audience are, what I do is that I make sure that I write about all kinds of entrepreneurs. So I write about those entrepreneurs that I call rockstar entrepreneurs. That's what people read about on the cover of Forbes magazine. I also write about my, my barber, who has this small little shop somewhere where I go to, or mm. a woman who has failed terribly in business. Mm. Um, so that people can relate to what I write. Uh, mm. It's a short, I write 800 words, mm. sometimes 700 words, so you can, something you can read quickly. Mm. And and I think that um, I write reasonably well. So that will help. Mm. Very interesting. Now, when I look at, uh, you know, your legal background and your entrepreneurial background, my next question is, how do you believe the legal framework in different countries in Africa can be improved to support startup entrepreneurs? Um, first of all, I think that making the whole... And Rwanda is the poster child on this. Mm -hmm. Making the whole process of starting a business yeah. and um, getting all the relevant consents and licenses and all of that should be seamless. Plus, the um, entry requirements for um, foreign direct investments come there, investors come there, um, hire people, bring on their people as experts and so to work with locals. Mm -hmm. All that should be, you know, when you do that, first of all, you encourage more people to come in there and they, mm -hmm. they, they don't waste their time chasing about various consents and permits, you know, valuable time that they should be using to design a, a product or code something, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Um, the judiciary and the whole machine of justice, mm -hmm. I think needs to just overhaul in most countries. So mm -hmm. the skills that we've done, the quality of the staff, the, I mean, the limited education of judges when it comes to like the commercial issues. Mm -hmm. We take a swap um, derivative transaction go wrong. Before I'm just in Ghana, with the greatest of respect, most of mm. them won't understand what you're talking about. Mm. Uh, and so we need to ensure that you are improving uh, um, the education of these judges uh, mm. to ensure that and then education, the last thing I said, education, the legal education in, in Ghana, most of Africa, is not fit for purpose. Mm. You find lawyers that are brilliant lawyers or young lawyers who are brilliant academically, they can quote chapter and verse of every law. Mm. But just ask them to apply that to a case. Mm. And it's So we have to ensure that there are more practitioners 
teaching these courses. We have introduced them to case studies, um, you know, real life examples, mm. clinics, um, you know, stuff like that. I think that, that those are the three. I mean, we have a whole conversation. Mm. Oh, I don't exhaust the, the subject. Absolutely, absolutely. My next question is that, you know, Africa is such a large continent and everyone is saying this 21st century belongs to Africa, but it has so many countries, each with their own set of uh, legal systems and their own, uh, you know, bureaucracy, if I can use the term. Yes. What strategies do you believe are essential for scaling a startup in today's economic climate across the continent of Africa? I think the first thing is developing great consumer insights, right? So you said we were different countries, different uh, cultural systems, regional systems, and so on. So one ensuring that you take the time, well, I think whatever business you're in, consumer insights is fundamental. Mm. Understanding the consumer, um, you know, what are they thinking about, what are their worries, what are their challenges, uh, and also your competitive set. And when you understand the consumer or the customer, they mm. use the insights of that to craft your business. Mm. So if you're selling, um, but there's an example of a company that failed miserably in Ghana, a fast food company, they come to Ghana and they serve the food of, from their home country, which Ghanaians don't like. Mm. The, the successful ones are able to modi uh, modify their, their cuisine a little bit to suit local um, taste, palate. Exactly the same, exactly the same thing. Um, you know, so understanding them. Secondly, trying to respect the environment and finding local champions, the whole idea of local content. Mm -hmm. You just come and say, you know, this worked for me in, um, in I don't know, Belgium or um, South Africa or um, wherever country it is. Mm -hmm. um, but making sure that you, you bring those skills, but partner with local locals who know the terrain mm -hmm. to help them. So what do I do to make um, life in my clients life easier? It's supporting, we have a recent network of lawyers across the, the continent. Mm -hmm. So once we understand what they require, hand-holding them to ensure that it's a seamless transition, uh, we have various relationships that are local content. We're very familiar with the laws mm. to help you structure local content. If you're struggling with partners, you can recommend um, partners to you. Um, you know, so that's basically, those are some of the things that we do to mm. uh, But you see, as a role of um, trusted advisor, well, fundamentally, we try and understand your business mm -hmm. and handhold you across all your aspirations. It may not be legal. You mm. the question is legal. My role is to coordinate you getting the best possible legal advice um, mm -hmm. advice in that area, whether it's marketing or it's, you know, right. so, you know like in the focus, but that's what we call keystone. So we're the key, we're the keystone in the, in the customer's um, or the client's um, business ecosystem, mm. you know, so the key so that holds everything together. Yeah, great response. Thank you. So I'm now going to move to your book. Uh, you're the author of a book, which is titled Quene here on entrepreneurship. Yes. You talk about support advice for budding entrepreneurs. Yes. Tell me a little bit about some of the key principles that you have emphasized. So one of the best principles that emphasize and I talk about in any interview I give, every speech I give, is that you got to build, you got to develop bold brush trees. Mm. And once you've done that, develop the audacity to mm. make those dreams a reality. Mm. Right? Um, how do you do that? It's through mm. concentrating your imagination, your other skills are sets, a key sets of skills that will enable you to execute. Hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing is about consumer, um, a consumer pain. 
So a lot of businesses start, especially in Africa, copycat businesses. So Mr. Y is done the business, so I can go and do it. But do you understand what the consumer is really worried about? Mm. It might be a distant need, actual need. One of my best examples is um, Henry Ford, who says that if you had asked, if you had asked customers what they want, they would have said a faster force. So you realize that, yes, it's a force they want, but want something much better based on mm. their own aspirations and so on. That's, I think, one of it. And uh, the other one is about that anybody can become an entrepreneur. Mm. Anybody. Well, they have the passion, they're mm. willing to learn a piece skill sets to become successful. Mm. Those are, I say, some of the key principles of the book. Very interesting. And on that note, Elikim, uh, and your amazing two comments for entrepreneurship, audacity, we develop some audacity and everybody can become an entrepreneur. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your own journey. What an exciting journey you've had. Thank you for speaking to me about all the work that you are doing in the legal profession uh, and creating you know, Keystone Solicitors, which is a new generation African law firm. Thank you also for talking to me at length about entrepreneurship uh, in Ghana and in Africa. Thank you again no, for speaking to me and good luck. No, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I look forward to um, continue to, to, to watch other podcasts. The thank, you. thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.